it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go. The time that we all been waiting on The moment all the naysayers been hating on See they been talking down on us and flexing It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up But not the boys on Kirby so you can pack it up Reliant Stadium is where you can find us With the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us Happy Thanksgiving, welcome back to Texans Unfiltered all right, guys, and that was my six-year-old son, Parker, wishing you guys a happy Thanksgiving, um, doing the intro for us. He, he asked me if he could do that, and so being the father that I am, I made sure that I gave him the opportunity to do it. Um, what a week for us so far. I am your host, Young Ari Gould. I am joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan, and Brad Grew. And, fellas, we've had a crazy week. Uh, this is our third podcast for the week. You guys recorded on Monday. While I was in Disneyland, I recorded yesterday, did a solo, uh, then also uploaded uh, that to YouTube. So if you guys want to see my beautiful face, I wouldn't blame you if you did. It'd probably be great if you walked by, if somebody walked by in the office and you were watching me and you want me to like count as your wingman virtually, probably would work out in your favor. Uh, and now we are on our third podcast and we are releasing this tomorrow, which would be Thursday morning for you Thanksgiving goers who are just relaxing or curing from a hangover and fellas, we got a lot to get into, but most importantly, we have a brand new website up and running Texansunfiltered.com, put together by that man on the other side of the microphone, Brad grew spending his time building this website for us and giving us the opportunity to share more things with our listeners and give you guys the opportunity to do some posts and articles and things like that. So make sure you guys go check out uh, texansunfiltered.com. Uh, obviously, join the Discord. You guys can do that straight from texansunfiltered.com by clicking the Discord button. Um, and fellas, let's let's get into some of the things that have been going on because we uh, are, are we no longer the best bad team? Or maybe we're the worst good team? I don't know. John, what, I mean, are we the best bad team? I'm, I'm not sure, honestly. I don't even I know where we to were, start. We were on a streak where we were the, the best bad team. Nobody thought we were any good. And now all of a sudden, I mean, we're not getting a lot of national coverage, but we're starting to get a little bit and we're starting to get a little bit of respect. No matter how unimpressive some of our victories may have been, to win seven in a row is still pretty freaking cool. It's still pretty impressive. It's really hard to win. Bill O'Brien says it all the time. We always make fun of him. It's really hard to win in the National Football League. But it really is hard to win in the National Football League. And to win seven in a row, that's going undefeated for half a ba- almost half a baseball season. It's just it's crazy when you sit there and you think about it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, I'll take it. Look, I'll take the wins however we can get it. But Brad, are we maybe the worst good team? 
Uh, with that defense, with Romeo's defense, I, I wouldn't put us anywhere near the worst. You know, I think defense wins championships. Uh, obviously, we want more consistency from the offense, but the defense has shown time and time again that they're ready and willing to pick up the slack where it's needed, including, you know, 101-yard uh, interception reception by our, our boy, Jay Reed. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I would put us up against anybody if that defense is playing at the top of their game and they're getting healthier, which can just help us more down the stretch. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I, I think that what we are is a middle-of-the-pack playoff contender who, if everything is clicking, uh, could t- potentially make some noise in the playoffs. I think uh, we are at a point now where we can look at what we've accomplished and where we're at. We can forget about the three games we uh, we lost in a row and continue to build on the momentum we have. And, you know, we're, we're coming off of, you know, two back-to-back games winning by a field goal or winning by a missed field goal um, where Deshaun didn't have his best game. But yet, if you look at some of the things that were left on the field, he had a, you know, he potentially had a good game. He just missed some things. Uh, So the offense is looking good. I I, I know that that's like hard to fathom considering how many points we've scored the last two weeks. But uh, we, those two weeks we went against really, really good uh, defenses. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to chalk it up. I know I said that we would blow out the Redskins and honestly, we probably should have won by another 21 points given uh, some of the plays that were left out on the field, but uh, you, you can't go back and, and, and add those. So we are what we are and we are what your record says we are, but coming off of the Monday night game where the chiefs and the Rams just had, I mean, potentially one of the best football games in the regular season in the last couple of years, John, I mean, we put into perspective for the listeners why we should not be comparing ourselves to the Chiefs or the Rams. Well, they're just built to play differently. Um, neither one of those teams have the same sort of talent that we do defensively. They've invested heavily in their offense. And honestly, if you look at the Rams, a lot of the concepts that they run, Bill O'Brien would like to run. He would like to pay, play with that pace. He would like to play with personnel doing a lot of the same different things and everybody gets always caught up in offensive philosophies and things like that. There's only so many ways to run around. So it's how you communicate your, your offense, how the offense communicates the plays amongst themselves and how they understand their responsibilities. And even though McVeigh is a Shanahan guy, they're all kind of based way back when from, uh, from, Oh, why am I forgetting his name now? Bill Walsh. How can you possibly forget that? And it starts off with just offshoots of the West Coast offense. And even Bill O'Brien is an offshoot of the West Coast offense. And they've taken ideas from Air Raid and things like that. And it, he has shown last year that he can play that way and he can call games that way. But he's also this huge, huge believer in complementary football. When you do that, you put a lot more stress on your defense. And with our the way our defense is built, we're pretty much still pretty top-heavy. We have a lot of guys that are just really, really awesome. But our depth behind them can be suspect at times. Granted, who would have thought that we have probably the four best safety? Like, our safety position's fine, but our corners... There's not a lot of depth there. Our linebackers, due to injuries, there's not a lot of depth there. And even our pass rushers were kind of manufacturing a pass rush after J.J., Jadavian, and Merciless. 
So that's kind of why you don't want to get into those shootouts. You just are, we're not built to play that way. And at the same time, Watson's probably really another year or two away, maybe maybe not even that long away from being able to consistently do it in a way that we would actually win. What's been crazy to me is how many people would rather have that Seattle game that we lost last year because we lost pretty than winning ugly against the Broncos or the Redskins. It's like, we, we still won, guys. Like, we won. I'd rather have that ugly win than the pretty loss from last year. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that, I think when it comes to comparing to the Chiefs and Rams, um, a lot of, a lot of fans are going to do that right now because they are the hot teams. They just came off of one of the best uh, football games in Monday night history, definitely from a scoring standpoint. But what people tend to leave out of that game is really why the Rams won that game. And the reason why the Rams won that game was due to the fact that they played better defense than the Chiefs. I mean, three interceptions, two forced fumbles. Um, That other defensive end was just a absolute monster. And it just goes to show you that you can have this high-flying, crazy offense. And then at the end of the day, the defense is going to be what wins you the game. And we have that defense in H-Town right now. And we're just getting stronger on defense as we'll get into later in the episode. But I just find it funny that people are complaining about how we're winning games instead of focusing on the fact that we are winning games. So when you think about like the, the whole just dynamic of the NFL, um, obviously it's becoming a pass happy league, right? Like this is what we're seeing and this is what's happening. And Deshaun can do it. We saw it last year, but Right now, with the way that we're constructed, it's just not time for us to do that. So uh, it's very interesting. I, 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 I obviously loved watching that game, and I think that we can do that, and I think we have the potential to be that kind of offense, but right now that's just not the case. So um, with the uh, – did you guys happen to catch Tyron uh, Matthew on the Rap Sheet podcast? I did not. No, I, I, I haven't had a chance to do that. But I, I just want to chime in just real quick on that game. Yeah, it, that game was fun to watch, but they, it was a thousand total yards. You know, I don't understand how a team is going to, you know, they both gave up over 450 yards on defense. And I, I to me, I just feel way more comfortable with a team that can hold people to, on defense. It's great that their offenses could do that much, but the fact that they're each, each defense gave up over 450 yards is just a crazy, that's an astronomical stat to me as a classic football, you know, fan of you know the years past you know i growing up in houston i know offense you know run and shoot it, that that became prolific here with warren moon and and that so i i'm used to 300 yard passing games and thing like that but like it's just i i think balanced football is is the best football that wins over long term and that's i think that's why the the patriots have had such success they've always found a running back or um the short passing game to open up the long passing game uh you know i think I think this is like the Moneyball era in football, um, and I don't know if it's going to be a long-term success like it has been the metrics-based success of others just because defenses can win games, um, and we see that. And like you said, the defense, what Casey had, what, five turnovers? You know, and, that's what, and they still scored that many points, but that's why they lost. You know, the other team had way more uh, plus turnover ratio. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, defense wins the youth championships, and we've seen that, you know, year over year. It's just the way that the league works. Uh, John, I haven't had a chance to listen to Tyron Matthew on the Rap Sheet podcast. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't find Ian Rappaport's podcast entertaining. 
Um, but I know you put it in the notes, so you must have listened to it. I mean, what what was it that you gathered from uh, the Honey Badgers interview with uh, Ian Rappaport? Well, I mean, other than the fact that Tyron's just a great guy, you already, you probably already knew that. But on top of that, what was more relevant was just how close the team is and this undying belief that they have now this confidence that they're going to figure out a way to win. It's what's been crazy about all these close wins is it's really, really started to come across in that locker room that they're going to figure out a way to get it done, whether it's the offense, whether it's the defense, and there's no finger pointing. It's like if the offense had done this better, the defense wouldn't have had done that. It's the exact opposite. It's like, don't worry, screw up. We're still going to figure it out. And that's a sign of greatness. You know, I, I know there's not a lot, you know, not just because Texas fans, but the Astros were very similar, right? A close clubhouse, I think, makes you unbeatable. And like whenever they, they most clubhouses, look at the Jaguars. Once most clubhouses starting 0-3, they have crumbled. You know, the Giants kind of did the same thing. Um, so it's a testament to Bob as much as me and not like his play calling, but he has a respect to that team and they all respect and like to play each with each other. And, um, you know, I think it's just a testament to that they, they have the right mindset to win. And, you know, to me, you have to, you have to think you're a champion before you could become a champion. You know, uh, step one, uh, know you're awesome. Step two, be awesome. So uh, it's great to see that. Uh, and Honey Badger, like we said the other night, I want him here for a long time. Yeah, I mean, what Honey Badger brings to this team is um, swag. You know, it's really, it's as easy as that. I mean, he brings this toughness, this competitive nature that um, you want to have on this team and in that locker room. And from a leadership standpoint, you know, it's funny, you know, before he joined me and John talked about um, the Amazon Prime um, special. I forgot what it's called for some reason. I can't remember. But um, either way, when he was talking to the team and he was still hurt and you could just see from the body language of the team uh, what they were doing and why they were listening and, and, and why he demanded so much respect. And it's the same thing with what he's doing here. And you know, he definitely needs to be locked up long term. Um, you know, we have some decisions to make and that'll be that'll this is going to this upcoming offseason is going to be very interesting because there's a lot of different um, things to go into. And I'm just wondering where it is that they're thinking about going uh, with Kareem Jackson being a free agent, Jadavian Clowney, uh, DJ Reader, uh, Tyron Matthew. I mean, there's just a lot of different moving pieces that we are going to have to watch very closely. But the Honey Badger here is definitely adding to um, the the championship pedigree that we are looking for. Um, all right. So the news that we all want to discuss, Dylan Cole's 21-day practice window has been activated. Uh, we have talked about this for quite some time. We We kind of had an understanding that he was going to be the player that was going to come back and and be one of the two off the IR. And obviously what he brings, we know, but from a health standpoint, is this the best decision? Uh, John, you know, when it comes to when it comes to Dylan Cole, we both crushed extremely hard. We really thought that the linebacking core was going to be the, you know, the backbone of this defense. And so far that has not been the case. Um, but with him and Zach coming back, I expect to see a lot more on defense uh, from everybody once those two are on the field. But, John, I mean, what are your thoughts with Dylan Cole? When do you think that we'll see him back? And uh, just overall, what are your expectations? Well, as much as we also have been crushing on Tyron Matthew, his one biggest weakness right now has been his inability to cover tight ends. And 
was kind of hoping that he would be the third guy that could cover tight ends because um, you really need to have in the NFL things have to come in threes. But Cunningham and Dylan Cole are our two tight end killers. You bring Cole back, and once Cunningham gets healthy again, that weakness in our offense, or our, I'm sorry, our weakness in our defense gets covered up. And all of a sudden, our defense goes from right now where they're playing really, really well to the ability to really take that next step, to really turn into one of those defenses that can carry us pretty far. Um, I would I would say that Cole and Cunningham's health gives us that extra boost. And we still don't know who the other IR player would be. It would probably be Kayvon Webster is my guess a little bit later in the year. Um, and once that happens, we'll have additional depth to our, to our secondary. So yeah, I mean, it's just getting these guys back. That just makes our defense even better. Yeah, no, agreed. I think Dylan Cole and Zach coming back are going to be huge. And Brad, we know you have a, a, a man crush on Zach Cunningham. So you're a perfect fit for this podcast because, uh, with Zach coming back, but more specifically Dylan Cole now uh, potentially returning. Uh, I mean, what are you seeing from the defense in the future now that we know that that's the, the, that the 21 day window is open? We know what he brings. I mean, when we think of Dylan Cole and what this defense looks like with him and Zach back, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, right? Yeah, and I think the people that that will will benefit the most from that. I think I think Merciless is going to benefit the most from, from not being able to have he can be focused on pass rushing more. You know, he's been dropping back a little bit and not and just trying to plug that run gap and um I think it certainly hurt his his defensive numbers some that without having Cunningham in there. Um it's good to see is was last game from Scarlet was that uh, a sign of things to come. We can only hope. So uh, you know we get Cole back plus Cunningham plus Scarlet steps up his game. Um, you know, our linebacking core, which has been struggling all year, turned around and, and we're in a pretty good spot. Like you said, uh, we knew, need the sets of threes, right? And there's three great guys right there in the middle. Um, you know, I, th- I think Merciless is is Thurston. You know, I think he's ready to uh, be savage, as they say back in the day, Merciless and Savage. So um, I, I think he's going to be benefit the most from this, uh, that he won't have to um, rely. He can just focus on pass rushing, which is we all know is he's his best strong suit. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree 100%. I think it's funny that, you know, when we think about this defense and we think about the, the players that we've lost, uh, considering how good we've been, uh, the safeties have been the main reason why we've been able to make up for that lack of linebacker play. Um, but Brian Peters definitely should not be on the field as a middle linebacker. We saw it in Washington. Uh, he misdiagnosed a couple gaps. He just does not look like the player that we need right now. And when Zach comes back and Cole comes back, a lot of those middle field catches that are happening right now are not going to continue to happen. So, yeah. And, and I think we saw the, the safety struggled in Washington because they were having to try to sneak up a little bit and plug that gap on the inside. And so when AP bounced to the outside for those two touchdowns, our safeties just got picked up, you know, with the first level blocks because they had to try to close the inside. Um, so I, I think whenever we have that strong inside again, I think our safety is going to make those plays on the outside. Yeah, I think also there was a couple or at least one of those run plays where Clowney bit a little hard um, on on Alex Smith and AP bounced it out. So um, and that's going to happen. JJ does that, too. So 
Um, another good news right now is that Foreman is practicing. And I know, at least on this podcast, there's not a lot of expectations for Foreman. I think Texans fans in general are having a little they're they're pretty excited that Foreman's practicing and they they're expecting him to be back in you know to form and show what he had last year um I know my expectations are nowhere near that right now I I I still think that um it's going to be a while before we actually see Foreman um this move was not made for the regular season I don't think I think this move was made for the postseason we just want to get him acclimated get him back to you know football shape and and get him going but uh, I mean, when we think about Foreman and, you know, when we're expecting to see him, John, I mean, is it is it realistic for us to think that we'll see him in the next two weeks? Honestly, I don't know until we can act until we have access to some of the videos from practice. You just you don't know with an Achilles. An Achilles injury has been stated by every podcast out there, every radio show out there is the hardest thing to come back for, um, for a linebacker and a running back. And I honestly think that them letting Foreman start to practice again and start to get ready again is not even a sign for the playoffs this year. It's a sign for next year. It's how much do they have to invest into the running back position. Because they'll know pretty quickly if he's going to have that, that speed again. They won't know if he'll have the strength. But if he'll have burst and flexibility, they'll they'll be able to see that. But if he's going to be stiff and he doesn't have speed, there's no way that he's going to get back into NFL shape. So this year, I love him. I want him to do well. He did awesome things here in Austin. But we've got to really temper our expectations. This is something that hopefully he gets to be back about 90% of the player that he was. But we will see. Again, it's just like that that microfracture of Davian Clowney. There was such a low percentage of Clowney coming back to where he has, and he did. Um, it's the same with the back injuries with Watt. There's, and of all those injuries, the one with the least chance of coming back from is an Achilles in- injury. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. No, I, I think that we're all pretty much in agreement on Foreman when it comes to, you know, what we can expect from him this season. And, you know, there's no reason for us to, you know, rush him back right now and risk his long-term health. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but, you know, with Dylan Cole coming back, uh, we have one more spot for um, the designated IR that we can bring a player back. Um, I think all three of us are in agreement that Kayvon Webster will likely be that candidate considering what the injury was. Um, and the long-term effect if he can stay healthy and if he can be the player that he was last year. Um, So I don't really think we need to spend too much on that. But, John, I know that you want to get to this, and I'm going to let you take the stage. But OB using a timeout correctly for the first time in God knows how long. John, tell the listeners how impactful that timeout was. Believe it or not, he used the timeout to win us a game. I'm sure there was a lot of what the fuck moments right there at the end of the game when he took that timeout. It's like, why is he giving them more time? The Redskins were lining up to actually go for it on fourth down. That was the correct call. He calls timeout. They go back in. 
They overthink it. They come back out with their kicker. The kicker actually hits that ball probably as well as he can. And he was still about five, six yards short of even getting it to the uprights. If Bill O'Brien doesn't call that timeout, I think our defense still stops them. I hope, but just by calling that timeout, he caused them to overthink, and that was awesome. Yeah, and it's not something that we see typically from Bob. I mean, we've all had clock management issues, but you know, when it comes to uh, using this at the right time, uh, it, it came in clutch and definitely filled the Texans fans with joy once they realized that it was the right call. So, um, all right, let's get into some of the game. I don't want to get into too much of it. I I do want to get into uh, Demarius Thomas a little bit. Uh, Brad, obviously his lack of targets, he only had one. Uh, One of them was actually a um, bad throw by Deshaun. He should have had a touchdown. He was open on a crossing route, but – it is what it is. Those things happen. I think that his role in general was really just for what we've thought it was going to be, which was basically take away that double coverage from DeAndre, uh, make people focus on him a little bit more. Uh, and obviously that showed in the touchdown to DeAndre, which was just a beautiful ball thrown by Deshaun. I don't, I don't think people understand how perfect of a throw that was. Um, but I mean, with Demarius Thomas, Brad, I mean, we've talked about it enough. We know now this is his third week going in. Should we expect to see more from him moving forward? Uh, I think we will, but I think it's just going to be progressing throughout. I think the more he's in there, I really do think it comes down to uh, Deshaun getting comfortable with him um, and them just kind of getting on the same page. And that only comes with reps. That comes with practice reps. Unless Bob is specifically scripting plays for him like he did in the Denver game, I just don't think he's going to be involved uh, just because unless he's just wide open or if they, you know, someone blows a coverage because I think Deshaun's just he's, – he's uh, more comfortable with our tight ends right now, I think, than him. And then maybe if Lamar Miller's on the field, Lamar Miller's been catching the ball really well on the backfield. Um, you know, I think he's probably the – fourth or fifth target down the list just right now. And I think a lot of it's just, just Deshaun just not, doesn't have a rapport with them and just, it's just going to take snaps. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that's going to be one of the bigger parts of, of Demarius Thomas. And uh, we, we kind of knew that coming in. I mean, if you look at golden Tate in Philadelphia, like he, he, I mean, he has barely been used. It just takes time for a wide receiver to get acclimated to an, uh, a brand new offense, especially when you spent nine seasons with another team. Um, one of the things that I got into on Tuesday when I recorded my podcast and my somewhat, I guess, instant reaction was the offensive line and its its lack of pass protection. It was it was very solid in the run game, uh, but the lack of pass protection was an issue on Sunday. Uh, DW4 definitely didn't have a good game, but John, I know that you watched the coaches' film. I watched the coaches' film today. Um, can we talk a little bit about why the fuck Ryan Griffin is even on the field and why his lack of effort on chip blocks and blocking in general is just awful? Like it's not even like that. He can't block to me. It looks like a total effort thing. Um, What did you see when you were watching the film? And then why don't you get into the offensive line as well? Well, I'm going to start with Ryan Griffin because he's a bigger problem than our offensive line. Um, Did he, this is uh, an actual question. Did he get one of his concussions while blocking? Because that's, that's how it comes have. across. Like he's just uninterested in blocking right now. Um, if the Texans actually had a player, a tight end with 
slightly below average hands, but was an above average blocker. That would solve a lot of the pass protection issues that would help steady the running game. It's the same thing that you brought up when we brought over Demarius Thomas. Just having that extra capable blocker would make a huge difference. Right now, none of our tight ends can block. But at least two of them are rookies and they have excuses. Ryan Griffin is a established veteran at this point. And he just he, he's just not getting the job done. Now, as for the offensive line, I mean, they really weren't that bad. I think losing both guards kind of threw off the timing with Deshaun. And then it also caused Washington to get more aggressive. And that just kind of sort of got more into Deshaun's head. But just look at the numbers we had running. And then Rankins, it's just going to be another name that I can't get right. But Rankins moves inside to guard. I'm not sure if he ever played guard in college. He definitely hadn't played in the NFL. And he actually looked more than more than capable. It looks like Lance Zerline was correct on him. He needs to play guard or he needs to play center. He does not need to be a tackle. And based off yesterday, or I'm sorry, Sunday's performance, I would I would agree with him just based on that. Uh, Kendall Lamb looked a little bit overwhelmed, um, but still he looked better than he did last year. And you're going to have bad games. That's okay. Um, and then Mance... Mance was getting pushed, but he wasn't really causing pressures, if that makes sense. So I think that's where where I was talking about it kind of throws off Deshaun a little bit. Deshaun was having to move his feet a little bit more because of Mance. But again, this just to me, this was more about the quality of the opponent and the fact that we lost our two starters so quickly into the game. They may have also been trying to take it a little bit easier on themselves, even if it's not consciously. Because they knew they were out of offensive linemen. If we lost another offensive lineman, I think the rumor was uh, Jordan Thomas would have to go in and play right guard. Yeah, I think um, when we look into this this offensive line, it's definitely an improvement over last year. Like a lot of people are thinking that it's the same dumpster fire. Some people have even said that it's worse than last year. If you're actually watching the film, um, that's not the case. And it, honestly, like when we look at a player that is starting to evolve, um, the player that, in my opinion, should get the game ball for Sunday on the offensive line was Nick Martin. I mean, there was a couple of plays where he just kind of bulldozed uh, guys just right off the line and just took them out, knocked them straight on their ass. So um, I, I, it's getting better, and that's going to continue to get better. They're going to have bad games. They're going to have times where they're not able to, uh, you know, pass block the entire game and not let the uh, defensive lineman get to Deshaun, but Ryan Griffin needs to be the, you know, that missing piece to those chip blocks. And a lot of times uh, he's just, it's the lack of effort completely. But now with the offensive line, that's done. Let's get into somebody that we truly love and are really, I mean, I'm starting to get in my feelings a little bit when it comes to, Kiki right now. I mean, this guy is Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never I mean, we're we're in love with Kiki right now, right? Look at what he does to this offense. I mean, if if Deshaun He's never going to come on the show now. But just He's never going to come on the show. He hates that song. No, he doesn't. He loves that song. He even does the dance in the end. Zone. He's been saying that he was tired of it. Well, he may be tired of it, but he the, his first touchdown for, as a Texan, he went in and did the in my feelings challenge. So, 
uh, Kiki can't say he hates that song and, and it really works for him. But Brad, I mean, when we look at what uh, Kiki's done and when he's on the field and when he's healthy, I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing that this fourth round rookie is able to come in and make the impact that he's making. Uh, Wes Wilker spending a lot of time with him. You can see it in his play. Uh, but I mean, what does Kiki bring to this offense? And and is you know once we get Fuller back, and we're talking about next year, I mean, are can we become that team uh, as the offensive line continues to progress and 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 develop into what we're seeing right now from the tackles? Uh, is Kiki that missing piece of this full offense to be able to compete with those Rams Chiefs type offensive games? I, I think they certainly. Certainly can be, um, especially when you throw in the young tight ends. Um, if you get a fuller, you know, if you get fuller, Thomas Akins, um, you know, Nuke and and then Kiki, that's that's a lot of talent, you know, receiving the ball. And if you get a decent, you know, running back in the backfield, you know, somebody's coming out of Pittsburgh or whether we keep Lamar Miller or something along those lines, you don't know. Um, you know, I think a healthy Texans offense is a scary te- Texans offense next year. Um, and I think right now the great thing is with Kiki in the, the lineup that he's becoming that emergency outlet that, you know, that guy that, DW4 can always look at and know that he can throw him the ball or at least get, he'll try to get open or get the best to get open. And I think the young tight ends are struggling at that. So he has two of those guys, right? Nuke can get open pretty much anytime he wants. Um, and I, so I think any, any person we could get to settle down and just slow down the game uh, for, for DW4 is just going to help this offense. I, I think if we can get uh, Demarius Thomas just to get, um, you know, get in there, I think it's going to stretch the field anymore. The, the, you know, Kiki is just invaluable um, at this point and as our offense stalls when he's not in there. And I think going back to the offensive line, I think if they don't get injured, um, we may have seen a blown out. Um, you don't have two injuries. So I, I'm, I, I have a better up look on the offense than a lot of people though. Yeah, no, I agree. I do too. I, I still think that we're not even close to scratching the surface of this, of this offense. And I, I think John's in agreement. And, and John, I mean, Kiki honestly could have had an even bigger game. I mean, if we actually, when watching the tape, you can see that there were so many times when he's open, um, I mean, John, you saw it. I mean, what we left we a lot on the I field. I mean, it's okay because we won. But yeah, Kiki could have had a truly monster game. If I, I, part of me wonders um, if if Deshaun sometimes is like, I just can't keep throwing to him because Kiki for snaps played ended up having the largest target share of any Texans receiver. And that's including DeAndre Hopkins. So it's not that Deshaun's not looking his way a lot. It's not that he's not throwing his way a lot. But Kiki was that open that often that he could have probably at least doubled the amount of receptions that he had. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There was a lot left on the field. Um, So I I expect to see that continue to uh, improve as we move forward. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. DeAndre Carter definitely did look uh, look pretty good in this game. It's nice to see um, that maybe, you know, that move worked out. I know we were all shocked. And, um, you know, John and I love Tyler Irvin. Um, so, you know, him being cut was a bit of a surprise. So hopefully that continues. But uh, I, I really want to talk about uh, Kaimi and the the missed kicks. I think a lot of fans aren't really listening or, or li- they're listening but they're not watching and seeing exactly what's going on. Uh, I think there was a lot more that you can get out of Bill O'Brien's press conference on Monday when he talked about the missed kicks, uh, when he said that there's a lot of confidence in Kaimi and, and he talks about the clutch kick that he hit. Uh, uh, he's Bill O'Brien's never going to call out a player. Just so everybody understands, that's not Bill O'Brien's style. 
he's not going to do it. But right now, Trevor Daniels is truly struggling with holding the snap. Um, I'm not worried about John Weeks. John Weeks is solid at his job. He did have some high snaps, but that's going to happen occasionally. Um, it's really more Daniels than Kaimi right now. I mean, two of those kicks, uh, if you look at the missed field goal, the laces were lined basically exactly where the kick went. Um, so there's these are things that if we're going to win games in the playoffs, we have to correct. And, and hopefully this becomes a major focus moving forward because we are not going to win games in playoffs and we won't continue this win streak if uh, Trevor Daniels can't get his shit together and hold the snap properly. So, all right, I think that's enough for the Redskins game. We, we've, we've had three podcasts now where we've at least talked about it a little bit. Uh, I, I really want to get into next week's game. We are playing the Titans. It is Monday Night Football. The Titans are coming off of a game where they got absolutely destroyed a week after they destroyed the Patriots. So, I I mean, literally, like, there is no... And there's no other team that is as inconsistent as the Titans are this year. Uh, Brad, what are some of the things that you're looking at for this week um, from from us against the Titans? I mean, obviously, you know, we know how the last game went. We, you know, had that stupid special teams, you know, touchdown pass, whatever. But, I mean... What did we learn from the last game, and what are we learning about some of the Titans games that we've seen so far this season? I, I, I think aggressiveness is going to play, come to play in this. I think Bob may be pretty aggressive coming out with the scripted plays to start the game. Um, I and I, you know, if you look at this Texans scoring over the year, they're overwhelmingly most of their scoring happens in the first quarter. Um, even though we had some struggles early on with getting touchdowns, um, so I think they're going to be. I would love to see 14 points put up in the first quarter. Uh, you know, or, or, you know, 10 to 14 points. And I think that, I think that's a, a possibility. Obviously, you know, we have a lot of game tape. We have a lot to expect from, uh, know what to expect with their head coach. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's going to be pumped. They're going to be pumped up, especially the defense, uh, you know, look for, you know, big plays to show up by the guys we already know and love, you know, the safeties Reed and, and, and the honey badger, you know, JJ Watts going to be pumped up. You know, I just think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be rocking like NRG is going to be just rocking. It's going to be a great atmosphere. I would be shocked if we, if we lose the game, um, I'm hoping for a blowout, but I think it's one of those games that again, Bob, he knows that he could trust his defense. So if they get a good lead, he's going to grind it out. So I don't, you know, don't look for a 40 point game unless they're just clicking all cylinders on offense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that there's, um, look, we can't lose to Blaine Gabbert again, right, John? I mean, if we lose to Blaine Gabbert one more time, I am going to flip my wig. If you thought the kill shot stuff, with B.O.B. and the Avengers uh, disappearing uh, cover art was bad. Uh, see me Monday night while we're watching the game. And uh, I, I'm telling you right now, I will be more heated than I've ever been on this podcast. Uh, am I wrong? Am I wrong to feel that way? If that I mean, happens? I get it. I'm not going to be able to talk to my parents. I We can't. Yeah, we're in I, town, I, by we the can't, way. We can't lose to Blaine Gabbert, right? Right? I mean, not again. But we've said that before, and I'm going to say this, the first Titans game, we didn't really lose to Blaine Gabbard because he didn't do shit. I don't think that we would fall for the same tricks, essentially, that they pulled last time. The Wildcats not going to work again. And, you know, as good as Brad Seeley has been for our special teams, if we get burned on a fake punt like they like that last game. I think 
we could do a kill shot on on him. I mean, let's just be honest. We kicked the shit out of him the second week of the year. The score didn't reflect it, we sh- but we should have won that game. There's a million reasons why we didn't. Not a million, but, you know, there's enough reasons why we didn't, but we really should have. We outplayed them pretty much the entire game other than one drive and one special teams play. Now, the Titans, they terrify me. Because if they go out there and they can put together a game, and especially, I think it all starts with Mariota because he's more inconsistent than our second-year quarterback. But if he doesn't go out there and play, they're not going to win. If he goes out there and play, I still think that we're the better team at this point. But he... Sometimes he'll just get a wild hair up his ass and just go out there and destroy people. And that's pretty much their only hope. Yeah, I think that uh, if I'm Bill O'Brien and Brad Seeley, I'm coming out in the same formation that I did on the previous play. And then right when the ball's hiked, I'm going to have two guys drop back out and I'm going to pick six that bitch straight to the house. And then I'm going to go straight to Vrabel and kick him in his fucking teeth for trying that shit one more time. Um, so for everybody that knows Mariota did not practice today, there's a chance that he does not play in the game. That's why we're talking about Blaine Gabbert. Um, Mariota obviously is a better quarterback than Blaine Gabbert. Um, we, we've seen Blaine Gabbert multiple times, uh, obviously with a stint in Jacksonville. Um, I expect this game to be one of those games where uh, Bill O'Brien is extremely aggressive. A lot of times people are going to be like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Um, but I, I think Bill Bill's going to want this game. I mean, he wants every game, but this is going to be a game that Bill's ready. Uh, this is going to be the game where all the players are talking about having a good practice all week. And um, I expect us to really just put our throats on their neck this week. And and there's no reason for us not to. We do have a better defense. Uh, we have a better offense. We are a completely different team than we were that time. And we still, like John said, kick the shit out of them completely. We just happen to lose. And that happens. Sometimes. Well, I think so, you've kind um, of maybe I, jinxed I, us when you just said that this is a game that Bill O'Brien really wants. Because you know he really wants those Belichick games. And he always gets in his own head. Okay, but nobody is getting in their own head over Mike Vrabel. Not one person in this entire league I is getting in their own head. Bill O'Brien may just be a little too smart that he gets in his own head about variable because he knows variable. He knows he's smarter than variable. He knows that he should be a better coach than variable. The key word there is he knows he should be a better coach than variable. So I'm afraid he'll get in his own head. Yeah. I mean, if we lose to a guy, a head coach that uh, wears like a, a shirt or a vest or whatever it is that tears the sleeves off for a second time, I'm, I'm going to go nuts. Um, so I, I expect us to destroy this team. I expect a big game from DW four. And I think this is actually Demarius Thomas's coming out party. I expect to see a lot more of him, uh, especially in the red zone. Uh, we obviously tried to get him going in the red zone this, this week. Uh, I expect that to pay off. So, all right, let's go around the league and Brad, the team that we were all scared of, uh, just destroyed the Titans on Sunday. The Colts are truly no joke. I mean, we don't really need to go around the league. We need to go around the AFC South. The Jags are still a dumpster fire. I mean, they were beating the Steelers, which would have been best for us, but they didn't. Uh, But the Colts are a hot, hot team right now. And Andrew Luck is looking exactly like we did not want him to look. 
Yeah, I know Andrew Luck's a top talent. You know, the people who wrote him off, um, you know, I think everybody who watches a lot of game tape knows he has the knows he still has the skills. It was just a matter of getting it all working together. Um, and he's just he's on fire right now. And a quarterback can carry a team all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and if he just keeps playing at this pace, I think they're gonna be hot on our heels. You know, the Texans can't let up. You know, I thought, you know, after you know, after the Denver game, we all were like, Oh, we got this. And then, you know, just Andrew Luck showed up and they've, you know, two games in a row where they just looked impossible to beat. And it's just uh, I hate talking about the Colts. You know, they've been talking about them for 17 years or whatever. And it's just they're they're the foe, you know, they're the they're they're the people we have to worry about. I don't think Tennessee's going to be there down the stretch just because the inconsistent quarterback play, uh, even if Mariota does play, um, you know. And I don't think they have their defense is good, but I don't think it's good enough to carry carry them like the Texans defense carries us. Um, so I think the Colts are going to be right there, hot on the hills for you know the division. And you know if the Texans don't win the division, if and at least the uh, you know the wild card. So uh, I th- it's not the last we've seen of the Colts. I don't think. No, I agree. And John, I mean, there's not one team that scares me more on the rest of the schedule than the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about it, you know, prior to the season beginning. Uh, everything relied on um, Andrew Luck being healthy. And the first three weeks, it was like he couldn't even really throw. But now his shoulders looking back to form. Uh, that offense is really clicking. And those scrub receivers outside of T.Y. Hilton are um, are doing their job. And then Eric Ebron is just like tearing people up and that's what was come I mean that's what was expected of Ebron when he was drafted by Detroit just didn't work out and now we're seeing like that size athletic freak that Eric Ebron is and Andrew Luck's going straight to him every time uh I mean what scares you about the Colts outside of Andrew Luck John I mean this is the game right that's on our schedule that we have left that we definitely definitely need to be worried about Andrew Luck is just I mean he's just lighting the world on fire when they're winning Brad, is that right? 72.7% completions? That's... Yeah, and wins. He has 72.7% completions. That's obscene. In November, he said 75.9% for the month. That is absolutely obscene. I mean, I hated the fact that they ended up with Frank Reich. I just thought that he was going to be a good coach. And then he's got... He's going to... I've just got this feeling he's going to break our hearts again. It's one of my first football memories was him breaking my heart. And him coming to Indianapolis, because of course, you know, FTC, fuck the Colts. It just, to me, looks like this big old cloud of doom and gloom because of that man. And you team him up with Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck, even if he his arm wasn't coming back into form, he was so smart that they were going to figure out a way to win. Right now, the two people that make the Colts go really are Frank Reich and you there's nothing we can do about that and then Quentin Nelson on the offensive line because not only is Andrew Luck playing great ball but he's being protected he's never had an offensive line like this and it all starts with that guard a rookie guard who in my opinion really could be in the running for offensive rookie of the year and this is a lineman but the stability that he has brought to that line and the flexibility that he has given that line, he used to make their running backs look better. And he's giving Andrew Luck enough time to just breathe and go out there and, you know, destroy everybody. 
Yeah, and on top of that, I mean, when when we looked at the draft, a lot of people disregarded the the Quentin Nelson pick, and everybody thought, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're taking a guard uh, so early in the draft." But I mean, this is a guard that was highly touted as one of the best guards in the draft in the last twenty years. And uh, when you watch the film of this guy, he's an absolute game wrecker. I honestly don't know if I've seen a rookie lineman play to the level that this guy plays at. When you talk about aggression and you talk about making taking it to the next level and, and on blocks and, and things like I mean, he's just laying dudes out. It's it's incredible and it, it sucks. It sucks to watch because I think every, I think both of you are right. I think this is the team that we're going to be fighting for and fighting with and and unfortunately, Andrew Luck is the best quarterback in the AFC South right now and. When you get that kind of play from your quarterback, you're going to be in games and you're going to get on a streak. And I know our streak is seven games, and I believe theirs is either four or five, but uh, they are uh, they are a team to watch out for, not just in the AFC South, but in general. He also has a running back now. Marlon Mack is healthy and is playing out of his mind as well. So their team is looking like a real team and this is not a team that should be taken lightly. And if you're sleeping on the Colts right now, you need to wake up and you need to watch the games that they play because one, it's good football. uh, And two, this is the team that we're going to be battling with for the next 10 years. So um, do your homework and, and watch some Colts games. All right, let's get to some questions from the discord uh, highly defined. And John, I'm going to, I'm going to point this in your direction because uh, you're really more of the film guy. But uh, Highly Defined asked, what offense and defense play best showcased either the offense or the defense performing to expectations? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Um, for me, I've struggled with answering this one on the offense because my pick would have been a couple of the uh, two-man routes with Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. But with Fuller and out hurt, we haven't really seen those routes with Demarius Thomas like we hoped we would. So maybe right now it's just that that most recent touchdown drive. As I put it up in Discord, that that throw that throw against the Redskins to, to Hopkins made me really hate myself for ever falling into that mile per hour trap at the combine. As that was a hell of a throw. Um, and on the defense, there's been so many good plays. There really has. Our defense this year is a little bit of bend, but don't break. And then with the occasional big play, I would actually probably say the clowny sack on Keenum. That won us the game against the Broncos. But every game that we've played this year, there's been a big play like that and i just point that one out or pointing out pretty much the um towards the end of the redskins game where both watt and Clowney got sacks that just kind of took their fight out or maybe it could be just there i don't know there was a couple of great plays where uh the merciless sack where Clowney all he did was look at the offensive line and they convened to stop Clowney and allowed um I believe it was merciless to run around them for an easy sack or, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm going to step in. So uh, and I, I, you're going to know exactly what play I'm talking about. But 
I believe the Texans were lined up in a cover two. Uh, they sent Tyron Matthew in a on a safety blitz, uh, and it was it was um, uh, God. Why can't I think of the word? But it was hidden very well. And uh, Tyron Matthew basically came around the guard and the tackle and got straight to, um, I believe it was Colt McCoy. It might have been Alex Smith, but um, it was a beautifully designed uh, safety blitz. And when we talk about Romeo Cornell and what he does with players and puts them in the best position to win. Uh, it was just an absolute amazing play, a great dial up at the right time, caught everybody off guard. And, you know, Tyron Matthew has three sacks, which is the most sacks he's ever had in a season. Uh, so, you know, when we think about the defensive plays, I think about how not necessarily what plays, but more about how the players are being used and how Romeo Cornell is putting them in a position to win. So very good question. Highly defend. I appreciate it. All right. Next one, Brad, this one's for you. Uh, Wheat then asks, is it getting, is it going to get better or worse from here? Oh, well, I mean, they've won seven in a row. So unless they went out for the rest of the season, I think at some point they're going to not win seven in a row uh, or eighth in a row, but they could all go all the way to, you know, game 19, I guess it would be for the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think it's going to get much, much better. We have, especially on the defensive end, uh, we get those, we get the key players back. We've, you know, we mentioned Cunningham, Cole, um, you know, Colvin's, Colvin and Scarlett's looking up as well. Um, in, you know, keep, keep Colvin healthy, hopefully keep Kiki healthy on the offensive side. Uh, you know, I think we, I think we've weathered the storm and we came out undefeated during that time. Uh, so I really don't have anything else, uh, but I don't think we can, I don't think there's many disappointments this season. I think I think we may lose one or two games down the stretch, but that's just uh, the war of attrition, right? You just you just have to survive and hold off the Colts, um, you know. And I think I think if we win the game against the Colts, that we'll be fine. But if we don't, they may tie it down the stretch and may come down to tiebreakers. Who, who knows at this point? Uh, you know, I I I just can't look at a team that's won seven in a row and feel bad. I just can't. It's just to me, it's so hard to win win in the NFL one week at a time, much less seven weeks. And yes, they've been ugly. Yes, they've been nail biters. But it takes real grit to win down the stretch. We've seen that for the longest time. The Texans have been the team that lost in the, those close games, right? And now they're the team that wins it, and we're still not happy as a fan base. And I just can't get it. Like, enjoy it while it's here, guys. This is very, very rare. Seven seven wins in a row, um, much less coming starting 0-3 and winning seven in a row. So I just can't. I'm not going to be down on this team until they prove otherwise. Same way the Bills, like, not about Fairbairn. Like, he's won some games for us. He had a bad game in a bad stadium. Sorry, my dogs. Yeah, no, dogs Dogs took out. I think Brad just got taken out by his dog. I think Emma got him. Uh, no, I, I agree. It's kind of hard to be down on a team that's won seven games in a row. Is it going to get better from here? I mean, yeah, it's going to get better from here because we have the – I mean, we should be making the playoffs. Um, and as the time goes on, our offense is going to start to click a little bit more. Uh, Kiki stays healthy, which is a big, big, big piece of this offense. Uh, we saw it this last week. So things are going to continue to get better. Maybe there'll be a loss sprinkled in there. Sure, maybe two losses. But I don't think that that means that the season's getting worse. I think that that's just something that you learn from. And uh, the one game that I think we could potentially lose would be the Colts game. But I wouldn't even say that we'll lose that game. So, uh, all right, John, this one's for you. And this is from Phoenix. Uh, do you agree that Martinez Rankin should move to uh, to guard? You'll get mad at me if I just say yes, won't you? Yeah. The answer is yes. yes. <laughs> From the look of it, we knew Rankin was going to be more of a technician. Um, and he's just the way that you can play effective tackle right now is just with length and shuffling your feet there. I mean, it's 
it's more difficult than that, but you essentially need to give Deshaun about two and a half seconds to throw the ball. With playing in the inside guard position, Rankin is able to use his smarts a little bit more. I think that I'm very, because Zerlon was so right about him playing guard. I really want to see him play center. I want to see, I just, I just want to see it at this point because he looked a hell of a lot better as a guard than he did as a tackle. So Zerlon's uh, actual scouting report for him is the further that he moved inside, the better he would be. So if he took that big of a jump from tackle to guard, what type of jump would it be from guard to center? But yeah, I think that, you know what? He's probably going to be in our rotation for guards going forward. And I think we'll be set at that for a while and we'll look for another offensive tackle somewhere else. Yeah, there's a lot of things to take into consider into consideration when it talks when you talk about a player moving in, uh, into the interior side of the line. But when you look at his build and you look at his footwork and and his hands, he's definitely built to be more of a guard than he is a tackle. But uh, we'll see as time goes on. And given the injuries with Kelamente and Zach Fulton right now, I, I, you're definitely going to see more Mance, more Rankins. And, and the good thing about that is when you can have players that are able to switch in and out between drives and 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 plays, is you're just keeping everybody fresh. So. Uh, that's why Bill O'Brien is always preaching versatility as it helps um, just the just solidify that line. So uh, very good question, Phoenix. Uh, I'm going to take this one. I don't know who this question was from, but uh, it says, who's the worst starter on both sides of the ball? And I'm going to take this question because this is extremely easy. Ryan Griffin is the worst starter on the offensive side of the ball, hands down. Hands down. There's There's literally... Nobody else you can even put into the consideration for that award, if that's what you want to give him. Uh, he's awful. His lack of effort on blocks is uh, painfully uh, hard to watch. And to be honest with you, it's it's quite embarrassing. So he is definitely, as uh, Brad would say, the king of shit mountain. Uh, now, the worst starter on the defensive side of the ball. Now, when we think of starters, right, we need to keep in mind, like, as uh, you know, as the game starts, what formation they're in, you know, they're running two tight end sets, you know, uh, three wide receiver sets uh, on defense. Is it, are they running out of nickel? Are they in dime? Uh, things like that. So, but if I was to pick one guy that's playing a lot of snaps right now that is awful on defense, it's Brian Peters, hands down. Brian Peters should not be on the field. He should only be playing special teams, and he's a liability in coverage, which is absolutely um devastating to say considering he switched from safety so um that's that's just awful and i'm sorry that we don't have uh, who it was that asked that question forgive me i'll shout you out on the next podcast uh john last question do we draft a corner in round one or do we draft an offensive tackle i don't know yet i think it's still too early to to really start looking at draft questions because i think we'll take the better of what's available between tackle and corner, and I hate to say it. No, I'm not going to say that. I, I think that we're going to draft a running back earlier than we expect. Um, I don't think that Brian Gain is the type of GM that would draft a running back in the first round. But at this point, who knows? I think that I've come over to the Brett Coleman um Coleman style of thinking that safeties make your corners look better 
We definitely could use a quicker corner out there. I think we have the slowest corners in the league. But when you have fantastic safety play, it really makes up for a lot of that. So I honestly don't feel as though that's as big of a screaming need. And then with offensive tackle, same sort of thing. Um, with Lamb stepping up and Davenport constantly improving, if I think that it depends on who's going to kind of fall into the range that we're at. And if we are able to get a game changer at tackle or a game changer at corner, that's pretty much what will make the decision. It won't be us going in saying that we have to have this or we have to have that at the draft. Yeah, I think I think you hit it on the head. I mean, we're definitely going to be taking best player available, but a little bit of a hot take here. Uh, I still expect Patrick Peterson to be a Texan. and I think it will happen in the offseason. I think we'll give up one of our second-round picks to land Patrick Peterson to address the cornerback position, and I think we'll take an offensive tackle in the first round. So um, that's my thought, and it looks like Phoenix actually asked the last two questions. So, Phoenix, thank you so much. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for our third podcast for the week. Please don't get used to three podcasts a week. I mean, if it's really something you guys want, let us know. We'll definitely always make an effort to give you guys more content if that's what you're looking for. Uh, make sure you guys go to uh, Instagram and Twitter, Houston FB Pod. Uh, you can find us there. John runs the Twitter. I run the Instagram. Make sure you join our Discord. You can go to our website, TexansUnfiltered.com. There's a Discord button that Brad uh, placed beautifully right there in the middle of the website that you'll be able to use to uh, to join the Discord. Uh, make sure that you go to our new website, TexansUnfiltered.com. Uh, we have uh, no, we have not. Brad has created this website uh, specifically for you guys in mind, thinking about the user experience and how it is that you guys can be impacted. Also gives you guys the opportunity to be able to write your own articles uh, once you register on the website. So uh, make sure you guys use that, visit it. You know, there's a reason why it's there. Uh, You guys also be able to find the podcast there and everything else. So if for some reason you want it instantly and it's not on, uh, on Google play store um, or iTunes, as soon as you want, I mean, it'll still be on SoundCloud and things like that, but uh, feel free to use the the website for that as well. Uh, with that being said, I hope all of you guys have an amazing Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with your family. Enjoy time watching football. Uh, eat as much as you want. Uh, we're not going to get into what you should eat for Thanksgiving because, uh, honestly, you guys eat whatever you want. There's no reason for us to tell you what is great and what's not. All of us have different opinions. I'm a pumpkin pie guy. Something tells me John is a pecan pie guy. And I would say, Brad, you probably are a pumpkin pie guy as well. So um, tell me, am I wrong? Are you guys pumpkin? Is that about right? John, are you a pecan pie guy? I'm not too picky when it comes to pie. You put a pie in front, I'll eat it. And Brad, I mean, is there any reason you you named me? I would love a gourd shaped, you know? (laughs) No, I I prefer pumpkin and apple. Apple's probably my go-to. Apple pie at Thanksgiving. Interesting. All right. All right. No sweet potato pie. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. All right. Thanksgiving uh, is that's a be northern Texan. thing. I, that, I've gotten confirmation about that today. Oh, because your wife is a northerner. That that makes total sense. That that makes sense. I, I, I was going to say, in the West, we did not have apple pie. And in the South, it seems like we don't have apple pie either. So how are you guys cooking your turkeys this year? Um, my dad wants to cook it, so I'm letting him cook it. I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to sleep in. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Yeah, our and fans Brad? deep fry fam, so that's what we generally do, deep fry. I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous. We we I've never had a fried turkey ever in my life. I've lived in Texas for 
I don't know, since I was 17, 18. We, so we we're, may we're going need to deep fry here. a turkey here shortly if you've never had a deep fried t- chicken, dude. Or turkey. I haven't. I, I never have. I, I went and took Nate for barbecue today, and I had smoked turkey. And I, I mean, I love smoked turkey; it's really good. But yep, never experienced the fried turkey experience, so I can't say that it it's is. delicious or not. But I would imagine if it's fried, it's yeah, it definitely probably going to be delicious. Yeah, I would. I would assume we'll so. Fix that. All right, there's our. Uh, the, I want to fix that, um, and, and make sure you tell your dad he's more than welcome to come over for the game on Monday if he's still going to be here. I think he's leaving though, but I don't remember correctly. We've had a lot of conversations about the game, but we could talk about that offline. Uh, all right, guys, that's it. Texans unfiltered. Enjoy time with your family. Enjoy this uh, Thanksgiving podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Make sure you go to our patron as well. Uh, www.patreon.com backslash Texans unfiltered. It gives you a lot of different access to the website and the Discord. Uh, and then you also get the opportunity to join some of the different things that we do and you get first dibs on shirts and all that cool stuff. So I have a really cool shirt idea that's going to come out at some point once I can get the right artist to do this. And you guys will be the first ones that will have the opportunity to do that. So, again, for the third time, wrapping up Texans Unfiltered Thanksgiving podcast. We'll catch you guys next week on Tuesday at the regular time. Until then, you guys enjoy it and we'll talk to you soon.